Hey Siri. Sorry, I couldn't find hit record in your music. I don't think I don't think Siri can hear me Siri, uh, when play I'm the on the phone. Song. Hey Siri. Come on. Play the best song. I mean, what, was that Eels? I could see Siri believing that that's the best song. Yeah, My Beloved Monster by Eels. Okay. Sure. If you say play the best song, it plays a random song from your music collection. Does it? Yeah, apparently. Play the worst song. Ooh, did the lights get brighter? Oh, it was my eyelids. There we go. I did it again. You know, if you open your eyes a little more, more light comes in. It's all retina shit. <laughs> Okay, that was a pretty bad song. I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. It's time for episode number 261 of Video Games Hot Dog, which began with a clap that Kevin better not have any shit to talk about. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Oh, just fine. It'll. How's it going, guys? Riff's was pretty good. Thanks. Oh, God. Do we have to play It'll Do again as an assignment? <laughs> I like that. I know. The second one's coming, coming out before too much longer, I think. It'll Do 2. It'll Do. Uh, that that would be good if they called it that. The the Doinator. Did you play It'll Do, Jim? I started it and never did more than start it. I could play like for half an hour. Um, it is extremely well designed. Yeah? Yeah. For a sequence-breaking, optimized lord like you, you can you can uh, beat the game with any two of the three power-ups. Okay, uh, so this is a puzzle game where you want to use you, where it gives you three power-ups. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's designed so that each puzzle is solvable with two. Yeah, oh. which is pretty intense. That that's Cause like some of them are hard to figure out even with all three. That's cool, but it doesn't seem cool to me <laughs> like as a player why, why not i guess as a designer it's really uh, yeah as a designer or as someone who's like really into like well what kind of puzzles are they sliding block puzzle yeah, they're kind like, of they're yeah. zelda puzzles yeah yeah okay i would describe the puzzles in it'll do as being more like 15 puzzles than like zelda puzzles <laughs> oh geez nah. it's on now 15 puzzles yeah I uh, one of the castles that we went to in the Loire Valley, where I where I went with Amelia a couple months ago, uh, had a fifteen puzzle that all of the tiles had been just rubbed away to be blank. <laughs> that, that's the kind of fifteen puzzle I'm into. Yeah, just here's a thing to do with your hands while you're bored. They also had uh, they also had like a a block of wall that some sort of Templar who had been imprisoned in the cell had graffitoed on. But it was all just like Jesus rules. It wasn't like it wasn't like cool graffiti. It was like here's a cross. <laughs> I remember buying someone's old like Mac two L LC or whatever it was, just one of the really old like OS seven Macs, um, and finding on the hard drive like the person I bought it from, her like twelve year old daughter had recorded a bunch of raps for Jesus. Nice. <laughs> they were pretty were they good i mean i was entertained if that's what you mean were you entertained in a way where you were just making fun of the girl or were you entertained in a way where you would let her live if she was a gladiator (laughs) 
<laughs> I would definitely <laughs> let her live because I want to be entertained more. Um, I, I, no, they weren't any good, but they did make me want to kind of like, like do to enough rap for Jesus, like do like enough time stretching to make them fit on a tempo, and then add like a beat underneath them. But I never did because. You were busy. I mean, it kind of it would have been cruel if you didn't think they were good to use them as the punchline of your remix lults. That's true. But, were there any words in there that you could use to uh, fit inside your yeah, speech? Yeah. Project? So I guess Zach, why don't you? <laughs> it's like I had this whole soliloquy before the podcast started that you could just paste in here to give okay. context for the joke. Sure. Kevin Boop. just made. Like in two thousand three or something, I. Took it on myself to. I had this project where I, um, there was a, there's an opening like monologue from the uh, Japanese shmup called Rock On. And the monologue is just this like backstory for why, um, why you're like going around shooting things. And it's written like, uh, like a Oscar acceptance speech or something like this. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's just, it sounds like a, it was written as a, a speech. Um, and I did this project where I recreated that speech by like search, searching lyric sites for various songs and snipping individual words out of it. Um, and looking back on it, I have no justification for why I would do that for that speech, except I thought it was fun. Um, and I remember wanting to refer to this speech as if it were a pop culture artifact in a tweet recently and I did a search for like where can I find the text of the speech and the only place you find the actual text of the speech is on my website <laughs> because only I ever cared about this thing apparently so I don't think that qualifies as pop culture no nope but like in my mind it's like uh, all your base level thing right hmm. uh, alright boop done <laughs> that's my anecdote for the week what have you been up to Riff now or at any point in the past 20 years. <laughs> uh, dang. Um, nothing non-game related, really. Your, the, uh, your life the, is, is nothing the, but a game. This this coming uh, weekend is uh, Portland Retro Games Expo. So oh, I, that has I, nothing to do with I games. Will, I will be doing that shortly. Yeah, but it's not like... it's It's hanging around and talking about games, not playing games although they do have arcade cabs there so i guess i will be playing some games have you uh, do you subscribe to hbo now no Riff? why so you've not yet see i was wondering if you had seen the first episode or second episode of Westworld. no i haven't people are talking about it a lot yeah i've been told that i should watch it yeah i've been yeah. told that I, it's worth subscribing to hbo now for yeah my uh, melissa had subscribed independently this past week uh, because she wanted to see the latest season of game of thrones mm-hmm. um, i can't just, imagine she, subscribing to a thing for it but i'll definitely like keep an eye out to see if it appears on the itunes store or something yeah eventually it will i'm assuming um, hbo doesn't usually release their shows until they're like done right so it might be it might be a year or more depending on how long this goes uh, I don't want to spoil it for people, uh, but it is good. I've heard that it's a show that is made for game designers. Yeah, it is definitely right up our alleys. <clears throat> what have you been up to? Uh, I just got back from IndieCade. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. We all went together. We all, in fact, drove down and back together. We transported a computer from here 
down to LA back to San oh, Francisco. Yeah. I gave Riff, I gave Riff, I gave Jim my uh, previous, <laughs> previous big, big riff is what they call me. sick gaming rig by putting it in the car at the office, driving it to LA, driving it back from LA to the East Bay. Yeah, I, uh, I opened it up, it up enough to, to see that I would need to work on it a little bit before it'll run. Well, it needs a hard drive. Yeah, that's, that's a little bit. Sure, but you knew that. <laughs> you, you said you suspected. That I had taken out all the hard drives. Right. So that seems like a thing I would know. <laughs> that it had you, been a really long time. Fair enough. <laughs> and then there's that just that mysterious USB cable coming out the back. It used to be plugged into... The, there was a cable coming out of, the, of a hole in the back that was then just plugged into one of the USB ports. I think that maybe it was connected to like this front-mounted like SD card reader thing oh, that fit yeah. in one of the five and a quarter inch bays. I, I saw a bunch of the SD or the, the memory card stuff in the front. So yeah, maybe I've replaced a lot of fans in that thing and the video card a couple times. Yeah. There's a bunch of fans in there. There are a lot of fans and like surprisingly little dust. Yeah. I mean, I have an air compressor in Arizona, so I would mm. clean it pretty regularly. Yeah. That's a good idea. Take a computer to Arizona to blow it out. Blow it up. Yeah. Yeah. Out in the desert, like the bomb squad. Mm -hmm. Right. Man, that's a good idea. There was a time uh, when... There was a time this weekend when people were telling stories about gallon cans of nacho cheese, and I almost told my story about a gallon can of nacho cheese, but I didn't get around to it. What were the the stories? uh, They had them, and they ate stuff with it. Did they eat the gallon can like just by itself yeah like a billy goat my story was that there was a gallon can of expired nacho cheese at this house and there were also a bunch of fairly fairly high-powered fireworks at the house so we um opened the we opened the can you know like a like with a can opener and put a put a pretty significant amount of like rocket inside it and then closed the can and then lit the fuse and then I had some very early phone video of just a pretty impressive like geyser of geyser of nacho cheese spraying out of the top of the can about 10 feet in the air with like lit from within by the strobes of the exploding (laughs) firework it was really it was it was about as good as you could hope that would be like if you were if you were trying to do a special effects shot for a movie that was like the cool version of this thing. Usually, when you do something like that, it ends up looking pretty dumb. You know, nothing. So we nothing need to ever... recreate this and get like a high speed HD camera. Yeah, that seems like a a, a good use of a few thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, bombing the cheese. So if you got that, you had some expired nacho cheese. And you got like some really fresh tortilla chips, like you made them that day. Mm-hmm. Like on average, would it be safe to eat? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Okay. I have a feeling that that nacho cheese. This story is from 15 years ago. I have a feeling that that cheese, had we not opened it and blown up fireworks in it, and then left it to dry on the floor of a vacant lot uh, in Phoenix, would still be perfectly safe to eat. Yeah, I, I feel like canned stuff tends to le- like. I, th- I think the expiration date on canned stuff tends to be more about flavor than yeah. than safety. Yeah. Unless, Unless it starts, like, bulging out or something. Yeah. Right. If it gets contaminated. 
The but it would have had to have been contaminated when it was put away, like when it was canned, right? Like, yeah. or the seal would have to be breached. I feel like until a can rusts and actually has a puncture in it. That makes sense. Or is dented. Did I ever tell you about the the server Pepsi disaster at the first sysadmin job that I had? I there was a, so. like a Sun server that was uh, like one of those cubes that was like stacks of like modular stereo parts with big cables running between them, which is how Sun did servers at that point. Uh, and on top of it was a Pepsi just a can of Pepsi that had been there. The previous IT guy had like won a bet where the bet was a soda and he just left the soda sitting on top of the server as a reminder of having won the bet. Like it wasn't for drinking. It was for, no, like one of those like a trophy, checks. like a trophy. Uh, one of those what's such a bad the idea. Donald Nuth uh, was giving out. Um, it was, it was like in exponentially increasing in value checks for, new bugs found in his typesetting software that I can't pronounce the name of. Wait, tech? Uh, I think it was just tech. Oh, tech. Yeah. Wait, is that how you pronounce T-E-X? Yeah. I think it's X not. X is, a, is like a K sound in Yeah. Greek. So, like, I actually knew that. I just didn't... I was too ashamed to say it. Okay. Um, I think it's pronounced Bruderbund. Boop. <laughs> uh, did you know that Ubisoft stands for Ubiquitous Software? I didn't. That's how you pronounce it. It's ubiquitous software. Yeah. Anyway, um, I came in one day and this Pepsi had (laughs) sprung a leak, like just a pinhole leak had formed in the side of the can and leaked all into the server. (laughs) Like it just did everything just get ruined. No, it was fine. The the case did its job. Like there weren't any upward facing vents. Um, But I discovered what had happened by picking up the can and being like directly just squirted in the eye by a stream of then disturbed soda that started coming out of the pinhole. It was just like it was scripted. <laughs> it, it could have been a grapefruit. and Yeah, it would have been worse. It would have been worse. Still pretty gross. Mm. These checks, though? Yeah. Oh, um, people just keep them. That's how we can get away with the increasing values because they're worth more as, like, worth more as trophies than as actual money. Because you wouldn't be able to cash them? Uh, presumably, yeah. They, the check would bounce. But um, did he know that that was going to be people's behavior going in? I don't know. I like. I think that people started doing that back when it was a reasonable amount of money. If he started it, if he said, "If you find a bug in this, I will write you a check for one billion dollars," right? Like that could technically be true, even if you had no intention of. Yeah. No. It was. It was more like starting. Starting with a uh, one cent. I don't think it was. I think it was a dollar. Okay. But yeah. Starting with one grain of rice, and then the person who discovers the next square on my chessboard gets two grains of rice. And then the next one gets three grains of rice. Yes. (laughs) You guys, we're going to have almost a meal's worth of rice by the time this is over. It's going to be pretty sweet. We did go to IndieCade. It was not my favorite Cade this year. Yeah, if this had been my only IndieCade experience, I don't think I would be excited about going back. Yeah, me neither. It was incredibly disorganized and frustrating as a, as a presenter. There were a lot of really cool games, and I yeah. got to play a lot of cool games and meet a lot of cool games people, and uh, it, there were, like, no attendees. Very few. Yeah. And it yep. was, like, free to USC students, so theoretically there were thousands of people who could have come through if they cared. But they didn't care. Although I say thousands, they were like they were often 
lines trying to get into the room where we were showing our game uh, because they couldn't let any more people in because of fire code. Because of fire code. Yep. Fire code, this very popular video game that was demoing next to us that everyone wanted to play. <laughs> that would actually be a good name for a game if it's not already taken. What's a game with the word code in it? Code Veronica. Recode. Okay. Yeah, it's a cross between Firewatch and Code Veronica. What happens in Code Veronica, Riff? I don't know. It's a Resident Evil game. So. It's what happens in Code Veronica, Jim? I heard there's a tunnel you walk through that's like full of glass windows, and then while you're in, when you're at the end of the tunnel, you hear glass breaking, and that's supposed to be really scary because a monster came through the glass. Hmm. Isn't that all Resident Evils? I, I just I I could have heard it about one of the other Resident Evils. I'm pretty sure it was Code Veronica, though. Hmm. Is that where is that on the like color spectrum of? codes terror alert yeah orange yellow veronica and then roy g biv veronica is the last one okay so is it that that's the lowest it's it's what they call the color that's like both green and blue in japan Mm. like teal grew i think it's just blue okay guys yes are we already talking about video games do we have nothing else Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. I guess not, yeah. It's cool. I stretched it out a bunch by having that story that got pasted in. The Knuth. You could paste it in here again. (laughs) Boop. (laughs) Like, in 2003 or something, I took it on myself to... I had this project where I, um... There was a... There's an opening, like monologue from the uh, Japanese shmup called Rock On and the monologue is just this like backstory for why um why you're like going around shooting things and it's written like uh like a Oscar acceptance speech or something like this okay <laughs> you know, it's just it sounds like a, it was written as a, a speech um and I did this project where I recreated that speech by like Search, searching lyric sites for various songs and snipping individual words out of it. Um, and looking back on it, I have no justification for why I would do that for that speech, except I thought it was fun. Um, and I remember wanting to refer to this speech as if it were a pop culture artifact in a tweet recently. And I did a search for like, where can I find the text of the speech? And the only place you find the actual text of the speech is on my website. <laughs> <laughs> because only I ever cared about this thing, apparently. So I don't think that qualifies as pop culture. No. Nope. But, like, in my mind, it's like uh, all your base level thing. Right. <laughs> Boop. What have you been playing, Kevin? Boop. Uh, because I went to Indicate, uh, I've been playing a lot of different things, actually. Like what? I'm looking up my list. I didn't make a list. That was short-sighted. Of Here's you. something we played together. We played Threadsteading, uh, the did. game that's played on a programmable sewing machine. <clears throat> um, took longer than I was having fun. Uh, yeah, because I was actually playing. Yeah, thanks. And then and then we like <laughs> then we both were like, okay, it's time to time so to wait. So the delay wasn't that it had to sew. All oh, that the... was the that was definitely the delay. Okay, um, we weren't taking a long time to make our moves, but like so, it's actually a 
pretty cleverly designed game, yeah. and it would be fun to play a bunch of games of in a row if it went really fast. But there's basically like a hex grid map, and you pick a direction to like you're both directing the same scouting party, so you pick a direction to go in, and based on the terrain, it will go a certain distance, and like when I send them, they're like scoring points for me, and when Kevin sends them, they're scoring points for him, and you just take turns sending it in a direction, and it uh, embroiders a little glyph on the hex that is your symbol. Right, so this is a game designed around the constraint of being like displayed with a sewing machine. A single line of, a single uninterrupted line of thread. Yeah. Yeah. Um, without many big jumps. Right. And then when you're done, it like g- traces around the edge of the board and then goes up to the top and embroiders your score. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which nice. is pretty great. Yeah. That's cool. It takes a long time to play a game. Yeah. I, I mean, each, so, each individual player's icon is relatively intricate. So is the hex grid already like on the, the medium? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's like a map printed on a little hanky, and you get to keep it when you're done. And they have... Is it different s- maps for every hanky? They do have... There are multiple maps. number of them. I don't know how many. Probably at least three or four, I think. It's the hardware that it runs on is hacked to shit. It's like they had to... To remove a step that would be really annoying that you had to perform every single move that you made, they had to bypass the safety feature of the embroidery machine that there's like a button that you have to press that says, hey, my hands aren't in here anymore. Uh-huh. Um, and they needed in order to like use the thing they have to use this very old kind of sewing machine that requires a windows xp computer hooked up to it for the automatic embroidery thing to work and they singer wouldn't share the spec with them because they said it was proprietary so they had to just like reverse yeah they had to like usb sniff the data that was coming out of the the a Windows XP machine running their embroidery program to figure out how to issue instructions to it. Yeah. And then they wired in a new control panel on the front of the sewing machine. For, for the interface for the players. Yeah. That's more complicated than I would have expected. They did this in a week. Yeah. But it wasn't the previous week because they also showed this at Alt Control. No. Yeah. It was, it was just a particular week. Uh, I guess they were working out of the Disney labs in Pittsburgh. Right. So Disney technically owns it. Yeah, yeah. I remember talking to one of the people who... It turned out he was an, an Imagineer, a real-life Imagineer. Yeah. That's fine. I feel like the global worldwide market for this product is exactly zero people. It's the it's alt-control and yeah. indicate attendees. Yep. But none of them would buy it. Oh, I sure, I sure wouldn't. Yeah. I don't know that any of the alt-control games are particularly viable no. commercial properties. <laughs> Iron Battalion. Steel Battalion. Like uh, like butt snuffin butt sniffin pugs butt snuffin pigs butt snuffin pigs. Uh, I think that recently came out, but I don't think it has that proprietary like giant giant um, butt controller. It wasn't yeah. a butt. There was a butt. It wasn't giant though. The so, thing that was giant was the like uh, tennis ball thing. I've talked to a couple of people who've made like embedded style like installation style games that are trying to sell them like. Uh, what was the game that you play with a doorstop? Line Wobbler. Line Wobbler. Um, he was talking about selling that game as like the hardware to make it, or rather than the hardware to, to use it. Um, and it would just be like an Arduino plus a string of LEDs, plus I guess the, the, the Wobbler. Um, and it would probably be less than $100. Um, and Like some assembly required kind of situation? Probably, yeah. And um, I 
don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this, so I'll just talk about it in the abstract. Uh, one of the uh, people who are making the multitude of uh, play this game by going to a website on your phone and then the game itself appears on a big screen. Right. Uh, talked about, like, figuring out how to make a just a, a device Physical that plugs product. into your screen and also is a Wi-Fi. Like a web server? Yeah. So you can just connect to that on your phone and just have this game. Here's a question. Do TVs have USB ports? Almost all TVs do at this point. Really? That'll just... Modern TVs. Like, boot? They will take data from... Like, you can just plug in a hard drive and it will just know and be able to find the files on it. It'll just boot? Like, if you had a USB stick with a Linux install on it. It's not... Like, like the ones I've seen will like display a slideshow of images. Yeah, this this maybe, just needs to to port out images to the screen, and then the it's going to be have some sort of like router hardware. That like it, I, I'm imagining it would be like an HDMI thing that also was a web server, a web a Wi-Fi hub. Huh, is HDMI powered by the television? I don't think so. Oh, maybe not then. Yeah, I think it's USB. I think USB is where the power would have to come from. Yeah, I don't know. USB isn't like a video input, though. It can be. Well, sure. Right? Like, But is it, like, consistently a video input that TVs can understand? I don't know. It can play movies off of things from USB, right? So there's got to be some way yeah, it to would, it would get like, from there to there. Presumably the file system is pretty standardized, or at least there are just a few standardized ones. And well, but I bet the movie player then, doesn't, exi- doesn't run on the... It, I mean, on the USB it, stick. Right. No, it's certainly <coughs> not. It would have to know about the codec used. Um, but that's a lot more standard now than it was 10 years ago. Like, I, everything's probably, like, using a... Oh, geez, I'm going to say this and probably be wrong, but I think H.264 is the standard nowadays. Not that was the, like, DivX. Apple standard, right? Yeah, Wasn't yeah, and it's... A long time. Yeah. Not, X- uh... Xvid. Frauen... Hoffer Institute. Was, was DivX, if I remember right, wasn't DivX the codec named deliberately to be confusing with DivX the DVD player that would yeah, it certainly was just play confusing. DVDs three I times? Like I I remember like DivX in, in the name of the codec just having a little winky face after it. Like, oh yeah, we know mm. people are going to hate this. I thought DivX was also the, it was the illegal algorithm, right? From the... That might... Yeah, maybe the codec was named after the algorithm. Hmm. MP3. Yeah. Also a weird name. Another game I played at IndieCade. Uh, it's called Order of the Oven Mitt. It's a Jen oh, yeah. Sandercox uh, edible game. That ended up winning an award. Yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, so the game itself is... Um, uh, it's like a baked playing field uh, with a bunch of like a sort of a gingerbread. On. Yeah, kind of like a gingerbread board. board. Um, and then it's just sort of a uniform color. And then you put uh, there's like a, it's a five by five, five by five grid. Is that right? Um, where you sort of, with some intentionality, more or less randomly spread some pieces on it, and they're either sort of white squares or black squares. 
and the black squares all have different like sort of edible candies and stuff on top of them and the white squares have uh licorice uh, which is of course not edible because no one would eat that uh, is, is that the joke on the part of the designer kind of yeah I mean, that's that's pretty good um, it, well it's it's it creates an interesting play experience right what do you mean if someone likes licorice it's a very different game for them no, you don't. You As never a result eat, of how this works. No, you never eat the. You never pieces. eat it. Oh, I thought you. No, oh. no. Well, pfft. no. The joke is the joke is that no one no one likes licorice, and so therefore. Yeah, I feel like that would be a really interesting uh, dynamic. Like you bring your candy prejudices to the table. Right. Well, you do. You I mean, kind of do. There's a big. Variety there's still of... there's like thirteen different uh, candy pieces. Okay. That go on the board, um, and so you play it with two teams. Uh, and you take or individuals the teams can be one person uh, and you take turns um, moving a piece on top of this grid of squares and their pieces move like a knight Um, and when you land on one of the dark squares you uh, do a little ritual and then you consume that piece Um, and then you're no longer standing on any square and you you have to finish your turn by standing on a square so you push pieces um, from one edge until it butts everything butts up against another wall in the row or column that you're in, including yourself, and so you you sort of move with the whole stack. Um, and this that's those are that's basically all the rules. Uh, the only other rule is that everybody loses if it gets to a point where nobody can eat the like uh, all of the like black squares. Um, so there is no inherent like win condition for one team or the other. So the game can be played cooperatively or it can be played competitively. Um, your goals, like you as an individual, could have the goal like I really want to eat that particular piece, and that's what I'm gonna like. That's what I'm gonna focus on. Your goal can be like I want to eat the most number of pieces. Uh, you know, you can be like I want everyone to be as happy as possible, so I'm gonna try to help everyone. You know, eat their the candy that they pr- prefer. Um, and I just really like how expressive and open-ended those that sort of configuration is. Yeah. It's really satisfying in a way that like I just haven't seen in a lot of games. The fact that it's like and like you could start out cooperative and then like switch to competitive midway through and then back. You know, like it, like it has a lot. It has a wide range of possible sort of story arcs, I guess, if you will. As um, long as they don't involve licorice. As long as they don't involve licorice. Um, I, I, at what point does the fact that the players are arbitrarily deciding on their own rules and values and what they and what they want out of it make it not a game? But you're not deciding on your own rules. You're deciding on your own goals. Do right? you not consider, like, you win when you capture the opponent's king to be a rule of chess? Uh, that is a rule. Like, yeah. there's no vict- if there's no victory condition, then the players are forced to make up their own victory condition, right? And that is mm-hmm. the players making up their own rules. You have to keep playing until all the pieces are eaten. You don't have to. You can uh, choose to just walk away. Th- they cannot be eaten. What do you want to eat the licorice? That's what I want. Well, you can't have the licorice. Uh, anyway, it's it's a really neat game. You're not my real dad. No, I'm. Th- this is a serious <laughs> question, though. Like. I get that these interesting things come up yeah. because the rules are so indistinct, right? Mm-hmm. But at what point is that not a feature of the design of the thing? I guess, like, 
by not stating by not being explicit about a win condition uh that ceases to be part of the game is that what you're saying how is it how is how is a group of people playing this game fundamentally different than a group of school children making up a game in a in a room um this has a lot more sort of strictures to it right like the board and the 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 yeah, there's a lot of and there's stuff. a lot of context that you come to, such as yeah, licorice is a lot more desirable desirable because you're not allowed to eat it. Sure. Um, I, I think I think the fact that it captures a lot of that feeling of open ended play is actually really valuable and and something that is neat and hard to design into games. Um, the fact I think the fact that it uh, but the, I mean it, it almost feels like this is a thing that just tricks people into designing their own game I, I think right and that's and that's per- interesting yeah well that, that's that's what that's the most interesting thing to me about it is that it provides the framework of a game but it it has these it allows you to bring your own natural desires to the table instead of providing artificial ones like a nomic like, or if this were if this were like a game presented to people who don't normally play games because they they don't have this desire to win a game they might still have the desire to eat a candy so they might go through this process of playing a game you don't think that person would prefer to just find a room filled with candy that they could just eat yeah they you're right they might or they might discover that following these procedures are is fun per se yeah, I mean, I guess, like, teenagers want to make out and look at each other's butts and stuff. They wouldn't just do that, afforded the opportunity, but a game of truth or dare will result in a framework for doing that. It's an excuse, yeah. So maybe this is an excuse to eat more candy than you would feel like eating normally, or to steal candy from other people? Yeah, maybe. Like, it really might be just a framework for, like, oh, the game says I gotta eat this candy now. I'm not trying to diminish the the cleverness or the value of this. I just, it's, it feels to me like a categorically different thing than a game. Well, so, here's a question then. So when I play uh, Grand Theft Auto and spend a bunch of time ramping a car off a mobile You're just playing it badly, Kevin. You're that supposed is, to am I not, win. Am I no longer playing the game? Because I'm I'm having fun. Uh, yeah, I feel like what we call... I would say that you're not using it as a game. Like you're using it as a toy. But we still, and this is. But we still call it a game. Well, it. We that like the the word game just means so many different things that it's. It, would GTA be a game if when you ran it, it was just a car and a city and there was never anything that it told you to do or any state that got updated or reflected? Like, would we still call it a game? I, I think, think we would not. I think if it were on a PlayStation 2 disc that you put in your PlayStation 2 <laughs> and was sold in GameStop, <laughs> I think we'd call it a game. Do people call <laughs> okay. BNG Drive a game? Is So is Minecraft not a game then? Minecraft has systems and rules that you that you interact with uh, like no I'm, I'm i'm not trying to be a jerk i'm like because they're like you don't ever minecraft win doesn't minecraft. let you decide when your character's dead like minecraft like okay 
But there's no there's no win state of Minecraft. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's fair. You can you can like kill the, the Ender Dragon or whatever, and that might be that might be considered winning. You can you could build sure. The, I mean, I guess castle. I guess Minecraft affords you the ability to play it cooperatively or competitively. Like yeah, I guess. Can you cooperate with the Ender Dragon? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, you could you could hang out there until some other player enters the zone and try to kill, kill them, them, I guess. Yeah. That would take a long time. I guess I'm just trying to articulate the particular way in which this thing is interesting as opposed to, like, saying... I'm not, like, I'm not saying this is not even a game. I'm sure. saying this feels, fundament- this feels like a fundamentally different thing to me than... A board game. Yeah. No, I think I think in a lot of ways it is, and I I'm I really hope that more people get a chance to see it and think about this and yeah. iterate I on mean, the and, ideas and that it. It, it that is it a lot like what I mean, contains. like Riff said, it feels a lot like a gnomic or a thousand blank white cards, but no one, it, like statistically, no one wants to play those games. But we also have things like all the. Imp- the the structured improv stuff at night games which also take some of the some aspects of games and put them into a thing that you might not call a game yeah there were there were several tasks that you had to perform at some of those night game events that like i think you might loosely call a game but yeah but in practical terms it, it was more like a fetch quest I think the advantage that, what was it? Order of the Oven Mint. Uh, I think the advantage that has over Gnomic or, a, what was it, a thousand blank cards mm-hmm. is that you eat candy. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, I, I think that that's, that's a, certainly that's true. A pretty huge draw. You could do that in Gnomic or a thousand blank white cards. <laughs> I guess that's true too. Well, but someone would have to make up that so, rule. Someone I mean, it, would have to implement it, 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 yeah. It does kind of feel like this is a situation, though, where rather than rather than making a game, she has made a framework for making games and made up the first couple of rules, Except but that, like, not the rest. Of there's them. not like the possibility space is pretty small within the, the the framework that she's made. Right, like the game is over when all of the dark pieces have been eaten. The game, everyone loses if you can't get to that state. So it is possible to lose. Yeah. So there is, like, you could argue that the not hitting that is the win condition. But I would argue that losing means you get to eat the licorice, which which means that you win. <laughs> that sounds like the unless real win there's only me. one set of licorice. If she only ever made one set of licorice, the, the licorice tiles, the then licorice no one tiles else do not ever, get refreshed. No one else games. could play the game again. Gross. You're, but you don't eat them. There's, how is it gross? <laughs> but I want to eat them. I'm is sorry. my point. I'm sorry, Kevin. I like. <laughs> you cannot eat the licorice tiles. See, this has already a, uh, like got a lot of rules that's aggravating you. <laughs> when you were talking about how, like, on the black tiles, I was thinking, oh, there's probably something like, like a, a steel spring on those, no. like other things, <laughs> raw sewage. But Aids. The, licorice, licorice is way funnier. Yeah. I want one where you're only supposed to eat the licorice. You're only allowed to well, eat the licorice. You should make a competing game that uses all the same pieces. Okay. Um... You're going to have to spend a lot of time baking. I had uh, Josh Lee just brought a used board from this game by the booth and was giving away the food. Oh. I ate a Reese's peanut butter cup. Oh, good. But then I threw away the thing that it was sitting on top of because the ink from the label had, like, stuck to the icing in a way that made me not trust it. Yeah, that's kind of gross. I was going to submit 
to to G, to IGF last year a uh, cupcake recipe named Frog Fractions Two. Yeah. <laughs> and if it had gotten like a Nuovo nomination or what have you, I would have had to had bake a bunch of those cupcakes in order to to present them at the uh, at the booth. Yeah. I still think you should have done it. Uh, they wouldn't take it. They they have these all well, these rules, but it has to be interactive and like it has. To, uh, recipes you can read it in whatever totally order you want. interactive. Yeah, yeah. That, in a way, recipes are the first games. I, I didn't feel like arguing. They definitely have a lose and a win condition. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and a prize. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Another game that I played at Indiecade. It was not at Indiecade, but it was uh, the the developers of it were staying at the the house that we were staying at is uh, Joggernauts. And it is really cool. Is that game out? It is not. Not even close to out. Um, you. It is a four-player cooperative game. It is an auto-scrolling platformer. Um, you have two primary controls. One is to jump, and the other one is to swap to the first position in the line of four people that are moving. And you, like, instantly teleportatively trade places with and you the retain momentum um so if if you hit the jump button and then teleport you'll st- you'll still be jumping um but you also retain the momentum of whoever you swapped into so if you if they are like at the top of their jump and you teleport into them uh, right as you jump, you then jump higher. So it's basically like a double jump. Oh, interesting. And that is a thing that could be go, could go on indefinitely with all the players. You could just keep jumping all the way at the top of the screen, potentially. That's neat. I like uh, that. So that's one kind of neat aspect of it. You're mm-hmm. moving along a level, and there are like barriers that pop up that only one color of player can knock down by running into them. So that person has to be in front. Yes. Um, there are collectibles that are your color that you have to get. There are platforms that only become real when you land on them, and then everybody else can run across them. There do you, are. Do you bar- ever have to sort the line by height or what have you? They're all the same height, oh. and they're all the same color, as far as I know. Yeah, it's 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 bad for colorblind folks. So there's there's you never have to like do a bubble sort with the swap command. No, but there are often like rapid there are rapid barriers of four like four different colored barriers, and you have to hit them in the right order. And so it's a lot of like. Somebody, like, the barrier is gone, the next person has to swap into front, the next barrier is gone, the the next person has to swap in front. So it's, like, a twitchy game that four people have to really be on the ball to do. You have five lives that are shared across all the players. Like, failing to jump uh, costs you a life. You lose a life. Running into the side of a platform instead of jumping on top of it costs you a life. Because it's auto-scrolling. Like a a friendship breaker, like the new Mario Brothers games. It is can like i could imagine that being true like we were all roughly about the same uh expertise Height. level which made a <laughs> made it totally bearable um, oh yeah the game asked you to use the swap command to sort everybody by ability to play this game right <laughs> um yeah it was it was fantastic it was like it was really really fun it was like there was a, like everybody would was up, would apologize when they screwed up and like everybody screwed up a bunch, um, but the level like it, it, as soon as everybody dies like in, a level instantly resets. There's like no downtime. Um, it's very it's, it's very thoughtful. The levels it's basically a puzzle game that four people have to collaboratively solve uh, in real time. What it's a re- sorting algorithm that sorted by least recently moved by the sorting algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
I played I played a demo of a game by the same guy that made that Mellow Drops game that I talked about last week. Uh, he made a game called Killing Time at Light Speed, which is the the sort of narrative conceit of it. It's really clever. Uh, you are on a spaceship traveling at near light speeds away from Earth, uh, and they have like um, an instantaneous communication back to Earth, um, and you're basically just reading Twitter. But every time you refresh Twitter, like the, the trip takes half an hour as as far as you see it, but every time you refresh Twitter, it's like a year passes on Earth. So you're like reading and responding to stuff, but like a lot of time is happening back on Earth when you do it. So like it allows the narrative to like unfold really fast um, with these little bite-sized chunks, um, which I think is really kind of a neat, kind of clever um, setup for like a a narrative game. Uh, And so I don't don't know how that unfolds because I have not yet played the full game, but I'm uh, looking forward to it. We played a game uh, which also was bad for Zach called Overdose. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is a game about taking a bunch of pills um, to deal with, like, chronic health issues. And um, It's fundamentally like a color theory game, though. Like, if kinda, the screen yeah. starts turning if, yeah, so if it, color if, X, you're supposed to hit the pill that's color Y, which yeah, is so the opposite the of it. If turning red, uh, you want to uh, hit the green pill. And if the screen is turning... Um, blue, you, blue, you want to hit yellow. the yellow pill. No, purple and yellow. Yeah, blue Pur- and orange. Pur- purple, purple and yellow and orange and, pur- and blue are the, the, the three sets of complementary colors. Um, and so that's sort of the first level of mechanics. And the second level of mechanics is that each time you take a pill, it has a side effect. One of the side effects is that the pills start just start spinning around. Uh, another side effect is that the pills sort of wobble in size. Another is that they drift to make them harder to hit. Yeah. yeah. Another is that you start you start to get like a lot of fuzz on the screen that makes it hard to see the particles that are coming off of them, which is the way that colorblind people are supposed to be able to play it. Yeah. Um, There's another one where uh, I'm trying to remember the other effects. I forget the. I forget the. There's like one or two more. Life is just a little bit harder. I mean, like trying to take drugs as a colorblind person must must be a little bit trickier than trying oh, to take yeah. drugs as a. That's probably true, actually. Yeah. You so mean like trying a, to take like medicine yeah, or like yeah. trying to a lot of trip yeah, balls? So it's just realistic. Yeah. Um, so and the game's pretty fun. There's like it's got these little interstitial narrative bits. I I was pitching the idea that I think it would be interesting if if you played the game while you are also trying to read the yeah. narrative bits. The game like, was a little easier and it was about joggle, juggling juggling your symptoms while trying to go about your day-to-day life. Yeah. Um, I don't know if how if that would be fun or whatever, but... Seems like it'd be really stressful. But also that's kind of what the game is about. Yeah. Is about the stress of managing chronic symptoms with medication. Yeah. Um, played a game called Dobotone. I had played this before. Oh, uh, yeah. God, it's Dobotone. It's so, so good. Neat. It's uh, so this is a game uh, where every player has uh, two single button controllers, um, like like a plunger. Like you're holding yeah. this thing that's like the size of a what is the thing that's a that size? Stick or a, it's a it's a, like the a, size of like, like a joystick, but without without the base. It's just yeah, okay, a banana. It's a like a, yeah, a banana, banana with the end cut off. Yeah, uh, and f- there's up to four players, and it's a, a variety of different little sort of mini games. And uh, it's sort of Mario Party style. Some of them, like one is like you're on a railroad track and you have to like alternate the buttons really quick to sort of do the hand cart 
um, thing. There's another one where you're an astronaut and like you've got right and left thrusters and you're trying to get up to the top of the screen. Um, a variety of different things like that. Um, and there's also in the middle of, of everybody playing is this control board where you can where you can adjust things like the gravity in the, the game or the speed at which things are moving or the sort of actual like dimensions of the screen or the zoom level of the screen. Um, and so you're just like remixing the sort of rules of physics while the people are playing and the games are pretty simple, but they become way more difficult when like suddenly everything is in a one inch column in the middle of the screen because the hardware is just really, really gorgeous. It's like, it's real seventies doubt. It looks like, uh, it looks like if you like the, like a set designed spaceship controls from a seventies sci-fi thing, just like a lot of like, Kind of. mm. It's got like it's it's got like ish. It's it's mostly like the kind of brightly colored design yeah. elements, like uh, you know, like your Headlander, like uh, okay. a more colorful Atari that that kind of era. But I don't remember if there's wood paneling on anything. I don't think I that don't there think is. So. Um, or like it kind of reminds me of the Star Trek: The Next Generation computer UI, which is the sort of like lines of color okay. going to various places and text being embedded in colored stripes uh played a game uh called fracture which is on this weird proprietary hardware that has not yet been made into a, a consumer product uh with a bunch of hex tiles that have a variety of sensors on them they've got like little ir sensors to talk to the tiles around them they've got a button on the top that you can press they have a microphone which was not used in the game that we played I guess neither was the button. Um, and it's sort of a platform for games. Uh, there's only one game out for it right now that was uh, made yeah, by... I think it's not even... A, like, the, the product itself is now either... It's right. called Automatiles. Yeah. I'm, and, I'm guessing there's going to be some sort of, like, Kickstarter yeah, at some point. The game was by Mike Laserwalker. Yeah. I was talking to him about it, and the hardware seems really neat in that it's unlike Siftio, which is the most obvious referent um which was a bunch of cubes right and they were they they all talked to like this uh centralized server and they all connected via uh bluetooth i think to the that server um this one only has like a five instruction set right this was like genuinely a distributed system so every tile just has to know how to operate uh on its own yeah which is super interesting display a color query neighbor but it also sounded like this is going to have the same problem that Siftio had, which is that it's way cooler to hack on than it is to actually play games with. This game was was pretty cool. Um, I would I would like I would, I'm not sure how it would bear out like over a bunch of repeated play. Yeah, uh, you should explain how the game works. Yeah, so uh, so it's a bunch of hex tiles. Uh, it's a three player game. Um, at least the version that I saw was, uh, and the idea is. Everybody starts out with all of their pieces contiguous and then a budding in the middle. Um, you have five, I think, five pieces per player. And uh, what you are trying to do is have your pieces um, not touching each other, but touching at least two other tiles of, of, of other colors. And that piece then becomes happy, and you want to get all five of your pieces happy. Mm. Um, and so you can split the board 
anywhere you want into two pieces and then reconnect it anywhere you want so that it's one contiguous um, path or surface or whatever and then the play goes on to the next person um, and it's got a lot of like even in the like five minutes I got to play we didn't actually get to finish a game because we were all three of us were like sort of being very uh, careful about our strategy but uh, there were a bunch of little sort of strategy rules that were popping up like if you have a triangle if you make sure that the person after you that you hand it to has a triangle of pieces they can't possibly win on their turn because there's no way to divide that such that um, they don't have two pieces together um, and a couple other like sort of little strategy bits like that yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I'm curious whether that game necessarily can end because I wonder like we went around and around and around and never finished uh, an actual game of it Um, how long did you play for uh, somewhere between five and ten minutes yeah Um, yeah when you said I wasn't sure if you weren't sure if you could end it I was thinking like it doesn't seem like because there's no central authority it seems like every game uh, played on those that hardware is going to have to be at least to some extent human moderated kind of yeah like it it definitely does a better job of telling you when pieces are happy but if you're not paying attention i think you could go through a turn where every piece of a player's was happy and like the just, pieces you know, wouldn't know yeah they don't know because again they're just automatists right like right. they don't they're not like linked in that way oh that's that's why they call it automatiles i think so yeah i think you're right um, yeah. So we were, I was talking to Mike about how you actually develop for this stuff. And he was saying you have to like open up each, like in order to, yeah. to flash the firmware, you have to open up each, each tile and like yeah. connect some, make, uh, but we were talking about potential ideas. Like since they all have microphones, you could uh, play like a modem screech into the room <laughs> and just rewrite every, every tile in the room that way. That'd be kind of neat. Yeah, it would be it would be neat the first time. You can embed like a Ghostbusters themed game into the audio of the film Ghostbusters, yeah. and oh, then you, whenever oh, you were watching good. Ghostbusters, your automatiles would just become a Ghostbusters game. Yeah, and like it starts out looking like Slimer, and then you could have like a game that Ecto-1. changes uh, where the rules change after a few minutes by like a few minutes later, and the new screech happens. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, maybe every time the rules change, you have to drink. Yeah. <laughs> If you want. That's, that's a player-moderated element. You're deciding whether you want to play or not play. Uh, we played a really aggravating uh, game, which was like the distributed game where your phone is the controller and everybody's playing on a single screen called Block Rock Me. Oh, yeah. That wasn't very good. Uh, super aggravating. Uh, it would be good if it were if you were playing it with a bunch of people who were not competent. idiots. Yeah. Well, it so it's also a, it's a like, giant Tetris board and each player has a Tetris piece that's coming down and you like they I think realized early on that it was hopeless to complete lines. So they just make these shapes that you can just fucking obviously look at and figure out how to fill them with Tetris pieces. But invariably before you get your piece over to a shape that you can use your piece in somebody fucking ruins it by making an impossible move yeah <laughs> it's it it was so aggravating to watch that i was like i just i need to be playing this so that it will not be aggravating but it was 10 times as aggravating <laughs> to actually play right. as to watch and so after the first yeah. game well, i, I mean, was like e- okay even this if is... people were coordinating like that control scheme would not it have... was it was a little rough it, everyone was playing over 
sell data. So it was it was like it was actually surprisingly good. It was remarkably for good that, but given the fact that it's like, how does this possibly work? Yeah. We just like went it, to a so it, it had this problem so that you you when you push a button, um, you don't know like it, it's an action ish game. Right. So you're holding down a button to move your piece to the right. So you need to be watching your piece so you don't go too far in that direction. Mm-hmm. But because it's a you're using touchscreen buttons, it you was don't. super easy to like push the wrong button and not realize what you were doing. So you have to be watching your phone as well. Right. So you and have you to lose track of where your piece is. Right. So you because it's really supposedly a color, but I can't tell. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It, the interface did not like. I I think that might be an interesting game with four people using game pads. Did you play? There was a game at that party at Fantastic Fest that was a weird sort of physicsy four-player Tetris game. Nope. I don't have any idea what it was called. Tetris pieces come down and then they land, but they're subject to gravity. So it's just like one of those where they don't really line up and you're just trying to make a stable tower uh-huh. as high as possible. And like the first person to like get above a goal and stay there for five oh, seconds you're, wins. You're making your own separate tower. Yeah. Yeah. You all have, you each have little platforms and you have some like spells that you can cast to like root a piece in midair and stuff. Hmm. Um, I wish I knew the name of that. I never... It was being played the entire night, so I never saw the title screen. I see. That sounds cool. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, I saw a kind of neat piece of technology, like a platform for games called Playtable. Oh, yeah. um, Which is a thing that I think they're going to do a Kickstarter for at some point next year. They've licensed... A bunch of stuff. A shitload of independent board games. Yeah. Um, And some... It looks like like they're trying to get some other like some video games too yeah. that are like board gamey there are there are aspects of it that are like the microsoft commercials surface. for microsoft surface from yeah. 10 years ago that were like this will be your coffee table except it's also a computer that's touchscreen but it's like basically a board game board that can you can buy an arbitrary number of board games on and play them yeah and for yeah. like your hand of cards there's like an accompanying phone app that and also, with it. you can also neat. just have objects with RFID tags in them, and you can <laughs> yeah. use them on the t- the surface of it. That is know. significantly less exciting to me. I mean, that, there, the idea there, I guess, is they would sell a thing in a store that's like, this is Plants vs. Zombies, but you actually have a little model plants that you put on the board. And they, yeah. yeah. I feel like the, the issue with all of these, and this goes for automatiles as well, Siftio, I remember talking, well, like, while Siftio was still a thing, I remember talking to people working at Siftio about, you know, how are you actually going to make this a product people want to buy? And they, you know, they talked about specifically, um, I had, I had name checked Chumby, like Chumby is another example of a, you know, a, a cool thing to hack on that nobody ever figured out why consumers actually want it. Mm -hmm. And similarly, Siftio is a, like, I, I love programming the Siftio, like such a gorgeous API. Um, but nobody ever bought it because it was like four times as expensive as was reasonable for humans to pay for, for what you got. Um, and the people at Siftio talked about how they were actually, when I brought up Chumby, they said, well, we, we were, we have meetings internally on like, how do we not be Chumby? Literally like that's the name of the meeting. What was Chumby? Uh, Chumby was like a, a touchscreen alarm clock running Linux that would, 
and they were running like a, a early version of Flash on Linux, and it would pull these Flash apps from the Chumbi server, and it would switch one which one was running every couple of minutes, so you'd always see this new like this app displays like a random David Letterman top ten list. Like this app is a tiny game, and like it, you, what it's for is actually kind of unclear. And you sent you, you yeah. You I mean, that alarm is alarm clock in the description of it, right? And it did that. Okay, but you can get an alarm clock for like five bucks at a drugstore, and this was yeah. How much was this? More like a hundred. Okay, and like a, the but you're, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but my alarm clock does not have nearly enough David Letterman top ten lists <laughs> on you, it. You might be into well, the Chumby servers are down now, uh-huh. so well, you're gonna have to reverse engineer your own protocols. Yeah, and, and this, also everybody just uses their phone as an alarm clock now. That's true, and it everybody. also but has a bunch could, of top ten. But you could like plug in a USB keyboard into the Chumbi, and a little console would drop down like when you hit tilde in Quake, and you could type in you know bash commands because it was running Linux, which is awesome if you're a hacker type. Yeah, but you could tell them that to port twenty five and send somebody email from God at heaven dot com. That <laughs> <laughs> you could. What was that thing that uh, I remember seeing websites for it a couple, three, four years ago that ran on a cash register tape that you could like connect it to your Twitter feed or whatever, and it would just the spool out trunk? paper uh, of your Twitter feed all day at you. That sounds great. Yeah, like one of those old uh, stock ticker tape machines like dude uses in the Adams Family or whatever. I mean, there was the Choosatron, which had like a Choosatron Adventure that spooled out with the like receipt printer hmm. kind of thing. But that's that doesn't sound like what you're talking about. Yeah, pr- might might have been similar tech, though. The other day, Amelia was at home making a soup stock, and she texted me to say that it had turned out okay. And I said, could you maybe tell me that it's good one character at a time, like a ticker? And she did. And I said, okay, could you send me a stock photo, <laughs> please? Oh. And she did. And it was pretty good. I saw, a, I saw her tweet pretty good this, interaction. I saw her do a stock photo. Too. Yeah, she, she tweeted the stock photo thing, yeah. yeah. Which yeah, was I, good. I, I faved that. Hey, how can you not? And yeah. so I feel like any of these companies um, that aren't having internal meetings, like this is, and, and Stiffio failed. So yes. like, that's not enough. Did so, you say Stiffio? <laughs> Stiffio. <laughs> and so like any of these companies that Catholic aren't Stiffio. specifically having meetings that like, how do we not be chumby and bringing in the chumby people? How do we not be you? They should um, have called a Siftendo. If all if successful Gideo, video, Gideo Vames companies end with Tendo. <laughs> Sega Tendo. Uh-huh. Sega was not very successful. Xbox Tendo. It's also doing pretty pretty poorly. <laughs> it was a tremendous failure because the controllers were too big, remember? Play Stendo. Sony Play Stendo. Uh, yeah. That was a lot of games. I also, I can't talk about it much. I also got to play through uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, and it is going to be great i think when is it going to come out next year everything is coming out next year yeah except for dishonored 2 is that chinese room uh it is some of the people behind um journey and uh, the unfinished swan unfinished swan okay it's the company's giant sparrow what is chinese room doing now 
I don't know. That's that. I was thinking it was what remains of Edith Finch. But apparently not. The no, vanishing of e- Ethan Finch. <laughs> what remains of Archie Bunker? <laughs> uh, I played um, Night in the Woods at oh. at the the Sony build the Sony room at Indiecade. And nice. it seems to be. I, I I didn't even know what it was gonna be. All I knew was that um, is it Scott Benson, like a guy I know on Twitter, is doing animation for it. So I figured it would have animation in it. Is Doug Benson providing all the weed? Uh, I didn't get to that part. Although it's totally plausible because the game is apparently about like millennials living with yeah, their parents, like disaffected, mm. specifically millennial cats. Yeah. Okay. Well, various yeah. animals. Okay, I was yeah, a cat. I, I, I backed it on Kickstarter, so I've been kind of following it. Okay, so maybe you can say more. Like, I, I ran around I as a cat. I actually don't and, know much more than that. Okay. They, they've been I talked to, hush. I talked to, like, other townspeople, and the writing was pretty good. Was one of them a raccoon that you owed money? Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't rule it out, but not in no. my case. See, this is why millennials don't like Animal Crossing. They, they're never going to own a home. Right. <laughs> oh, if only it were that easy. Um, and I didn't get to this part but I watched somebody else um, play a Guitar Hero style minigame where they played bass badly um, in Night in the Woods I should be I should specify that bass badly would be a good name for a Ooh. like a fish villain <laughs> yeah bass badly that's the joke yes oh <laughs> he insists on being called bass and if you call him I bass see. he gets real mad and threatens you with a knife he's like trying to <laughs> learn the guitar so he's trying to change his name up to fit mm-hmm. yeah and i played a- but he keeps tuning his strings to b-a-s-s and so it's like <laughs> the third and fourth strings are like super high pitched and he can't figure out how to play anything <laughs> i played a thumper um i played the first level here at the Campo office before we left for Indiecade, and I really liked it. Cool. Um, it was, it's like this uh, amplitude looking game where you're racing down this track. Um, but you're in hell. But yeah, you're in this weird, like, abstract mathematical formula, like, shader toy looking hell. Um, and the gameplay is more like um, Bit Trip Runner, where it's it's, it's more like a, a a phone style runner than a standard rhythm game, where you like you have to do things in rhythm, but what you're doing is like reacting to things coming at you or dodging to things com- dodging things coming at you. Um, and the theming is really strong, like it's it's trying to be a horror game, and it the like I, I'm describing this game as a very like abstract looking game, but it's very abstract. It's very menacing in the way that it is abstract. Um, and the music is less musical and more like horror movie soundtrack menacing. It's, it was really well done. Um, and I, that's, how, that's what I was, um, that's what I went to Indicade with. And when I was at Indicade, I played the second level of Thumper on uh, Laura Mache's PlayStation, and it was harder, so I was like getting into a flow state less. It still wasn't scary because I'm too good at rhythm games, and the the final boss of level two is the same as the final boss of level one. No. And then I watched a video where someone plays the final boss of level three, and it's the same boss again. Uh, so is it is the boss not have anything same? at all different? 
I didn't see any. Like maybe there were more spikes on the red screaming face, skull mm-hmm. face, but like it seemed to be the same, which is really disappointing to me. Like I, I don't know, maybe like the uh, music is harder or something. Oh, it was definitely harder. Okay, because it introduces new mechanics each level, right? Yeah, at least the okay. the first three levels introduce new mechanics, but I, I don't know if I'm into this. Like I don't know if I'm into it enough to, if I'm not seeing new cool shit. I don't know if I'm into it enough to keep playing. That's weird because that's not usually what a person cares about in a rhythm game. Yeah, like this isn't. This game doesn't really have a soundtrack. Like, it, or if it does, it you could have fooled me. Like, it the music is there to, can to be atmospheric, not to like be like a song that catches your ear and you remember and you hum it. You know, mm. like. I saw you, not like uh, that Franz Ferdinand song from Guitar Hero. For example, yeah. Uh, I saw you tweet that you liked it because it was, they'd figured out a new way to make programmer art look cool. Yeah. Which I still think is true. Like, that, this game could have been made by, you know, IQ from Shader Toy. It's just math art, basically. Uh, well, except it turns out, like, the, the Thumper, um, the Thumper Twitter account replied to me saying the artist, is might not he's not sure how the artist is going to feel about that tweet. Hmm. Like apparently all the the wavy arms that look like formulas to me were actually just traditional meshes with with animate rigging and animation like uh like always happens in games. So did the, did he just independently arrive at the Mandelbro set? <laughs> it was not nothing nothing so recognizable, but yeah. Is it Mandelbro or Mandelbrot? I don't know. I always it's said Michael Bruderbund. Michael Brot. I always said Brot, but I have no idea. It's Michael Bruderbund. And I played um, PT, which is the Silent Hill trailer. Yeah, trailer? playable. I think it stands for playable, playable trailer, which it was a really funny reveal when that happened. I thought that that was like gone. I thought yeah, you couldn't that's, get it well, that's why I was if excited you haven't about downloaded it. it. It is gone. Mm. That's why I was excited about it. Cause I got my PS4 after it was not available anymore. And Laura still had it on hers. Did you um, beat it? I don't know if you can. It's beatable. Yeah, it does, I, didn't, it does, I didn't beat it. It's possible well, to resolve it to an ending. It's, it's next to impossible to figure that, to figure out how to do that on your own. Right, I did not. I played it for like half an hour, and a bunch of stuff, 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 stuff happened. Um, and it was interesting to me, like how little art there was in the game. Like it looked really good, but I could imagine it being actually a fairly low budget thing. Um, just because there's two hallways in a room yeah. in the entire game, as far as I can tell. Um, and it also didn't really have gameplay, which honestly for a horror game, I think is a good idea. Um, because some of the things they did would have been incredibly unfair if it were a game, but because it was just a ride, like this is really effective horror and I'm not annoyed because I think the plan was that this was more of like, like an emotional and, and theme preview rather than a mechanical preview and that the the game sure, had it happened yeah. would have been a lot more like a, like playing a regular silent hill game 
That's probably true, but was this this was like the Silent Hill game that the Metal Gear Solid guy was supposed to be making? Yeah, Hideo Kojima. And if I, I like, I don't know if I hallucinated this, but I think he was working with Guillermo, yeah, Guillermo, Guillermo del, Toro del Toro and also the uh, yes, uh, the man, oh. the, the human tongue twister Guillermo <laughs> del Toro, and also yeah. Junji Ito, yeah. the the manga artist. Oh yeah. So yeah, it would have been crazy yeah. if it had happened. But Kada- yep. Konami, yeah, but then Konami yeah, stopped Konami making games. They didn't want anything to do with games anymore. What do they do instead? Slot machines and, and pachinko. But but sometimes they have a contra themed pachinko machine or a contra themed slot machine. Okay. Or a Ghostbusters themed pachinko machine. Can you enter the Konami code into any of those devices? Mm. Uh, it probably maybe if you do then it changes the payout rate from like 0.9 to 0.95 <laughs> I haven't really played much other than Hearthstone and you didn't play anything else at Indicate? I don't think I played anything that you didn't play you played at least one thing that but I guess you played you had played it before the open sorcery. Or oh yeah, yeah. The the woman who made open sorcery was there, um, and I learned about a game that she has in the uh, IF comp this year about being like an off-duty vampire killer at McDonald's, and a vampire comes into McDonald's, and it's called Sixteen Ways to Kill a Vampire at McDonald's. So I guess there are sixteen ways to kill. Oh, a vampire. there's sixteen different endings. Is it like shit your, don't shit your pants? That's, that's oh, the man. exact game I was thinking of too. Yeah, that's good. Sixteen ways to not shit your pants while killing a vampire at McDonald's. Yeah, crossover opportunity. It's pretty good. Man, she was talking about her plans for a VR sequel to Open Sorcery, which sounds really good. Huh. But it's, I think, a long way off. Um, I did this weird interactive experience that was called the Seance. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, where I, my legs fell asleep in a tent. <laughs> Um, <laughs> they, they were like, sit here. Yeah. So your legs fell asleep. Yeah. Oh, now we'll communicate with your dead <laughs> legs. <laughs> like that. So, um, yeah, there was an actress in there playing the like medium and, uh, we were, we were sort of, each of us was issued each of the three of us, me and two strangers. They weren't strangers to each other. Um, they're a couple game developers, um, were issued identities and like an artifact when we went in. Right. So I was the I was the deceased doctor and I had I a stethoscope. A and then the the stethoscope became like part of a puzzle later and the the deceased priest uh had a rosary with some symbols on the beads that then were part of a puzzle solution and uh it was neat. It was very guided like the the medium was giving hints when we were fucking stuff up. There was a part of it that involved shining a UV light on some things that was very, very difficult because yeah, of the ambient light. The light was super faint. Yeah. Um, it was neat, though. It was just, I mean, it was one of those, like, this is a cool thing at a festival. There's not viable to do it at anywhere other than, like, your Halloween party. Yeah. Uh, it, was like, it was, like, basically a super lightweight room escape with a lot more sort of, like, plot trying yeah. to hang things together yeah and there were some like parts of the puzzle that were clearly broken and had been elided from the narrative arc right um 
but it was just like a student project for them. And the guy was like, yeah, we're not, we're not doing anything else with this. This is the last time anyone will see this. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, cause they both have to get jobs. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if I, if I played anything that, oh, did you talk about that riot game that you played? No, I had forgotten about that. I like, I didn't feel like I could say anything particularly intelligent about it. Uh, is this giant chaotic real-time strategy game where one player controls a rioting group of citizens or a protesting group protesting. of citizens, and then another another player controls the police that are trying to stop the riot from getting out of hand? And yeah, they, they have different goals based on the, the level. I some think. sort of interesting, like, escalation dilemma mechanics built into it. Yeah, you can you can choose to, like do peaceful tactics or violent tactics and you can you your each side has like the the protesting side has like some number of like leaders and then a sort of a mob that they're kind of follows them and you can switch between which leader you're trying to sort of move in a particular place so you're like sort of mob mentality moving groups of people around as the protesters and you can like form blockades with like you know holding up your hands, and then you can just sit down to just, as like peaceful stuff, or you can like start pushing back more violently, or you can start throwing things like um, little Molotov cocktails or rocks or whatever if you want to start getting more violent. And on the police side, they have like six or eight units, uh, smaller units, um, and they're like trying to sort of corral the people either into a space or away from a space or they're trying to like get from one side of the screen to the other or something um but everything is because you're just sort of like suggesting where any of these things go and that they're like reacting like each of the each of the individuals in the units can be scared right so if the other side starts using violence the other the, the other side sort of freaks out a little bit and, and moves away um and then at the end of the like five minute period that you're both sort of trying to achieve your particular goals, um, it gives you this sort of news report, which tells you what happened, whether anybody was killed or injured, wh- whether one or both sides used violence. And then based on that in each sort of little mini campaign. Uh, so like if the protesters were violent and killed some of the police officers and the police officers didn't react violently, then the sentiment swings a lot more towards the police. And so the protesters have fewer people and the police are stronger on the next level. So there's like a weird sort of meta strategy of like, how do you actually how achieve? Do you, how do you incentivize the police to strike back? Well, that or like, how do you achieve your goals without resorting to violence? Or can you f- lose a level or two while like, inciting the other side to violence to bolster yeah. your forces or whatever. I remember a friend of mine playing Ultima Online talking about how like somebody came up to him and said I'm going to kill your horse and then like used some sort of in-game ability to like make the horse angry and so <laughs> because the horse had like l- the horse made the first mm. strike he killed the horse in self-defense and the guards didn't inter- didn't, didn't intervene. Wow. That's a dick move. I mean, it seems like that's then I'm going to kill your horse unless you give me 40 yeah, gold yeah. pieces. I, right. Yeah. Like he didn't, I think he was just killing the horse just to kill a horse. Just for the lults. Yeah. Just for the, just for the old top cack. <laughs> they didn't have that word back then. 
fine. <laughs> you play anything, yeah, Riff? I played the uh, I played the demo for Pokemon Sun and Moon. What is Pokemon that is Sun the and new Moon? Pokemon game, the new Generation Seven game that is coming out in a month. So, what fantastic new mechanics Man, are they introducing it with this is, iteration? It is full of like quality of life changes. Actually, it's super exciting. Oh, um, they. I know. I mean, I know you guys don't care about Pokemon, but there might be somebody listening who does. Um, I might play it. A Pokemon game. They, um, Let's see. There were three. The three main things I noticed in the in the demo, which which incidentally is, uh, it's not like the first part of the game. It's it's the sort of demo that is its own thing. It's just a little teaser taste thing, and then it has a variety of of bonus items that you can potentially get and then transfer to the actual game when the game is out. Um, but they uh, let's see, they've Okay, so for, like, pr since the very first Pokemon game, it's been a thing that once you've got your full crew, your full roster of six Pokemon, and you capture a seventh one, the seventh one automatically just goes to storage. And I, don't, I have no idea why it's taken them so long to do this, but they've changed it now so that when you get a seventh one, you have the option of replacing one of your guys that's already on your team and that guy goes to storage instead which is i don't know it doesn't sound like much but if you're if you're like farming up guys that's potentially huge or if you have a guy that's injured and you don't want to go back to town to heal him you can potentially capture a guy to replace him temporarily without walking back and things like that uh so that's do you start with Pretty the running cool. shoes? I don't know. Um, I I did have I did have running shoes in the demo, but I don't know if that was just right. you know for the demo or not. Oh man, maybe you just get this uh, this feature you just described. Maybe you only get that like in the last <laughs> third of the game. Uh, and were uh, were there other other Pokemon's that are not colors? Say I I'm not sure what you mean by that question. Like Pokemon Red, Pokemon. Oh, uh, Pokemon yeah. I mean, the previous the previous set were po Pokemon X and Y. Those are both <laughs> colors. Um, another thing they've changed is that once you've uh, once you've fought and defeated a a particular type of Pokemon once, like once you've beaten your first Pikachu, for instance, then whenever you fight another one of those. It says on your attack buttons if that attack is going to be effective or ineffective or super effective against that guy. Oh wow! wow. Yeah, that's super so, I mean, you no longer have to memorize like the chart of of twenty part rock paper scissors, <laughs> and remember if this guy oh, that man. looks like he's made out of rocks is rock type or ground type. The everybody who's memorized that chart is going to be so angry which makes it yeah. even better change <laughs> i mean it'll still be useful for like forward planning like if you know you're going up against you know a, a rock type guy or whatever but but yeah it's it's yeah. so good and then the absolute best thing and i'm not a hundred percent that this changes total but it's very very much implied uh is that hms aren't a thing anymore um so what does that mean? in 
the uh, in all the Pokemon games, HM stands for Hidden Machine, and what that refers to is the uh, the o- sort of overworld gating mechanism. Like you can't leave this town down Route 20 because there's a tree blocking the way. So you have to get the HM that will teach one of your Pokemon the cut move, and then your Pokemon can cut the tree down for you. So you continue. And uh, so does it have another yeah, way of gating it, now? Well. Instead, instead of using the HM, and the reason why the HM sucked is because they take up one of your attack slots and they have almost never been uh, as good of attacks as, as others that you could get instead. So you were left like basically wasting a bunch of your potential attacks in your team uh, to, to, to be able to push rocks around and stuff. Um, but what they have... Instead of that, or, or at least in the demo, what they have is a guy gives you basically a whistle that lets you summon a bull that you can just ride on, and it smashes rocks that are in your path. Uh, and the menu that you can pull up that shows this whistle has slots for, like, a lot more of these, which, which implies okay. that you'll just be able to summon, you know, a guy to break rocks for you and a guy that you can... Uh, that that will carry you across water and all of these various things, and they're not part of your team of six. So, can you use this whistle in combat? Mm, probably not. I, I I didn't see a way to do it in the demo. So it's right. yeah. So it's 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 taking away, for instance, using surf as an attack move, but. Surf wasn't all that great an attack move anyway, so. Did the Charlie Pokemon use Surf? No. <laughs> no. No, Zach. Char- Charlie don't Surf. <laughs> okay, thank you. I'm glad we were able to complete that thought. That was all I had to say about the new Pokemon <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I have to say about it, too. But, uh, man, it's, it's super good. It looks super pretty and runs really smooth and the graphics are really nice and just mm, it looks like it's going to be real fun to this play is on th- this is on yeah. 3ds right and apparently yeah. it they are super pushing the processor uh on it um like if you have i have i have the the new 3ds and it ran fine but i was seeing some reports of people in the slack that just had the regular 3ds saying that in more complex battles they were getting frame rate issues Mm. if if frame rate issue is like if it's a 60 versus 30 thing i don't think that's a big problem but and and this guy was saying it was only during like this one boss fight so it's probably not not that big a deal they also might, you know, have some optimizations to do mm-hmm. in the next month. Well, I mean, they've got to press cartridges, so. Oh, good point. And the demo was, was right. downloadable, right? Okay, so they probably can't do any optimizations in the next month because they printed the cartridges a month ago or can whatever. Can the cartridges not have, like, little firmware updates or whatever? Have you seen that happen, Riff? A cartridge game with... Mm. Like, uh, with, yeah, updatable... I feel like certain that Smash Brothers has to yeah, have patches. Yeah, that's true. I, I I have seen updates come through on my 3DS for stuff, but I don't remember off the top of my head if it was for games that I had on cartridge or just downloaded. 
I, I bet there's a process, but I also bet a lot of people won't know how to use it and it will just not happen yeah. automatically. Hmm. Do you guys want to talk sure. about this assignment? Yeah, let's do that. Be glitched. So cute. Yep. That's adorbs. How much of it did you play? I played, Riff? okay, so I played in two sessions and my first session I, I kind of breezed through and I was like, oh, this is cute and fun and, and uh, pretty straightforward and not, not very hard. And then my second play session started with going into uh the the zone the zone where the, the icon is an owl and just oh. the uh the difficulty curve is like a hockey stick and it just crushed me hmm i found that to be true but on the really? next level. i couldn't figure out how to deal with the dogs with always exploding me uh the trick is to not ever activate a dog it seemed like the only way to avoid that was to spend money and i didn't have any uh so this game has two primary two, yeah components it's it's well, like three actually right because like there's the file yeah. system you, yeah you start it's off embedded like, in like a kind of a cute fake file system thing that has a lot of interesting just things to poke around and find that yeah. are just cool and flavorful and like really show a lot of personality uh, and then some of them are like levels and when you go to play the level you're kind of moving around on a map and there is this sort of a minesweeper mechanic for figuring out what is hidden in the nodes of the map and you can you can activate a node based on what you think is in it sometimes the nodes have enemies on them sometimes the nodes have enemies hidden in them and activating an enemy node or running into an enemy wandering around the nodes starts a new game mode which is a kind of a match three where there is a hidden antagonist that the elements on the match three board can be activated to give you clues as to the antagonist's location uh and your goal is to get a bomb on top of the antagonist and detonate it and then you win the level and some antagonists have multiple hit points so you have to do that yeah, times. and that you have a certain number of like turns to do it in uh, before they damage you, and then like if you take enough damage, you just the level ends. Um, there are also things that will damage you out on the map. Um, there are ways to recover health out on the map. There are ways to get money inside the mini game, inside the match three game that you can then spend in shops uh, in the outside map. The outside maps are procedurally generated, but pretty consistently according to rules for each level. Um, some of the outside maps are bespoke. I'm curious if that, uh, um, I'll probably never find out, but I'm curious if the Minesweeper kind of mechanic ever gets, if they really dig into where that could go It gets really hard Does sometimes, it? yeah. Okay. The, the chicken levels in particular are really hard. It'd be pretty easy to deliberately build in ambiguity. So, like, on the chicken levels, there's one, there, like, one of the symbols is just missing... It's, um, there are like these eggs which cause the level to reset and the exit to that, those, a couple of levels is just another egg symbol and you have to differentiate it with some additional information. Hmm. Um, so it becomes a, a logic puzzle that's pretty hard. Do you ever unlock any kind of an endless mode? Uh, I've not seen one. Hmm. Not yet, at least. It got <coughs> so difficult 
that I'm just not ever going to play it again. I tried, I got, I got to the point where I had two levels unlocked, Catnet and Spamnet, and they were both so hard that... Th- those are, that's, that, that is definitely where I found the difficulty got much, much harder. And I, I tried five or six times each, and it's just so easy to just lose due to a single mistake after 20 minutes of play that I just found Yeah, it the resetting to the beginning and the Catnet levels was really dissatisfying because, like, a, a single mistake or, a, like... Uh, like you could have full health and just lose, which is frustrating. Like, I it's such a weird dissonance. The like cuteness of the art, and then the just incredible punishing difficulty of the game. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of mechanics there, and I think it really wants you to use them all. Yeah, and sort I of think- insists. The the match. Interestingly, the match three board is persistent yeah. across yeah. fights. That makes and sense. It and so require yeah, and every once in a while you, either you can just move a thing. Yeah. You yeah. can prep. Um and there will sometimes be like endless fountains of enemies for you to be able to kind of grind a board on. Yeah. Um but man, I just really want like just a procedural version of this where I'm playing for a score or something so that I can just like be good at it but I can be as good at it as I am but still like play it I just feel like so much adorable shit is locked away from me because I can't beat either of these two levels and there's just no there's no way to grind through it and there's no way to definitely board sometimes when you load boards they're easier than other boards you just get lucky and being lucky is very helpful um there's a strategy where if you get if you use the computers and you have one in a computer just once you've activated it it's it's a it's a really complex match 3 yeah game, there's a bunch of, of different things going on you can activate any given cell and that costs energy which you get by matching batteries um you get so many cycles you just get so many moves until you take damage from wherever the enemy is hidden um or the enemy ends the level sometimes. Right, yeah. There are tiles you can match to increase your cycles as well. Yeah. yeah. and the, But those tiles also, if you activate one of them, it will just become a readout that is how many squares away from it the enemy is. Right. And so having two of those that are positioned correctly will unambiguously tell you exactly where the enemy is. Yeah, putting them in the corners of the map, two adjacent corners, uh, is really powerful. There's also tiles that are like compasses that will point in the general direction that the enemy is hiding and then you can match those to make better compasses which will point very like directly at the square that an enemy is in so you get a couple or three of those and you then have an unambiguous indication of where they are but like setting up a board state to be good at the enemy finding thing you fuck it up by matching things to collect the resources and that changes the way that it plays it's man It is, like, so, so alienatingly difficult to play. And it's... It is, I guess, so there's cute. definitely a mismatch. It's, it's weird. There's definitely a mismatch. Like, <laughs> I... I liked how difficult it is, because it feels, it feels really good when you do eventually beat it. And there's, I think there is a little bit of luck in there, right? Because, like... There's definitely been levels where I'm like, I am going to lose, and so I'm just going to click on a bomb 
that is near some other bombs and hope that the enemy is there because I have no idea. And then sometimes I win and that that's fine. Like that's, you don't always have to like, it doesn't have yeah. to be deliberate the whole way through. It drives me crazy that there are all of these boxes on the screen that I know will be filled in if I could just beat these levels and I would see more stuff yeah. and I'm just never going to see it. There's some really, there's some really cool, clever stuff like like each set of like each little level like you know the like catnet is a, like a particular mechanic that you're dealing with and spamnet is a particular mechanic that you're dealing with and like each each little set of levels is uh, has some sort of new mechanic or mechanism or restriction that you're having to deal with um, which is really it's really satisfying it's 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 hard and interesting and like it keeps changing things up um there's levels that there's like enemies that you can't beat, and so you have to run away from them. They give you like a runaway mechanic after you beat those two levels. Um, there are then you eventually get a mechanic, like a special thing that you can do to actually beat the enemies that are otherwise immune and stuff. So it like keeps sort of ratcheting up the the possibility space. There's a whole set of levels where you have to hoard money and then make some smart bets about how you're going to end a level and then do that and just get a, get a ton of cash so that you can actually beat the, that set of levels. Um, yeah. I am currently on, like, I think I'm very near the end of the game and I'm having to, like, do a bunch of very weird stuff with the UI to, to hmm. proceed. Hmm. Um, How long is the game? Uh, I think I've probably spent about five hours on it. I think I think it's probably about a six-ish hour game. I think that's a very difficult question to answer, though, because I have definitely spent five or six hours playing it, and I am stuck at the third of the way through point. Yeah, like so. There are some um, shortcuts that you Mm. can take in certain places. Like you can skip ahead to the secrets section which doesn't really help you at all, but you get to see some other content earlier. Uh, you can skip ahead to the like the rat section before it gets unlocked for you. How do you do that? Uh, it's, it's weird. It's like a little tiny bit of sequence breaking that isn't actually all that great. Um, there's like a, a guy keeps stealing all of your, ca- like half of your cash, and you finally eventually get a, the ability to to freeze him and when you do that he'll take you to the rat world but the time i did it i had just beaten the boss of a level and so he like teleported me out of that and then i had to go back in and play that whole level again Mm. um and if i had just finished it i would have gotten the password that would have unlocked that whole area Mm. so that was pretty dissatisfying um but you can do like little weird sequence breaks like that i guess um yeah, it's it's super charming. It's just like it is Steven Sausage Roll levels of difficult, hmm. but it is not Steven Sausage Roll levels of disgusting looking. <laughs> and so it seems really it seems really incongruous to me. Would you prefer if it were off putting? No, I very much just want it to be easier. Okay. Like I want to be able to I want to be smart enough to play this game and I am not. A lot of like a lot of things just have tricks to them and it's possible that you just haven't figured out the trick in a lot of cases. Like there are there are some very powerful individual strategies 
to use that if you do that it makes it a lot easier and if you don't find those I think it's very hard this maybe feels like a kind of a catacomb kids thing where Mm. the person making it has been Mm. playing it for so long that in order for it to be interesting to them it needs to be more difficult than a normal person can deal with yeah that's super plausible to me there are I, definitely a handful of like there's I found a handful of like display bugs and UI bugs and typos and stuff in the game. I wonder if it will get patched. I just it is so hard for me to imagine like normal people having play tested this game. Like it's I mean it was made at NYU, right? And there's a bunch of really smart people who work there and they probably yeah, all play Okay, I guess if like the only people play testing your game are like, like Frank Foddy. Lance and Bennett Foddy, yeah. then sure, <laughs> yeah, it's like meh. But selling okay. I don't think it is. I think it's, I mean, for a game that was made on the side by uh, like an NYU grad student and an NYU undergrad or grad student, like, I think it's probably fine. This is not, they're not doing this as their full-time. As their jobs. Jobs, yeah. right, so. Anyway. Yeah, but it, like it's I think I think it is a game that people who dig puzzle games will also dig. So the thing about Steven Sausage Roll that I disagree with is Steven Sausage Roll those levels are 100% designed and he, and but glitched the levels the like mechanisms are designed and very well thought through but most of the levels are still randomized and so you can I think it's possible that you've just had some really bad luck and you've just run into that enough times that you think you're bad at it, and it's possible that if you went into it a couple more times, you would hit a board where you have a lot of the tools that you need in the right places, and you just, excuse me, uh, you can just sort of solve it that way. Uh, Mm. Maybe. I don't know. Also, it not having cloud saves means that I've just given up, like Uh, because I played it at home that's, yeah. and it's a thing that I would pop into during the day and play a game of at the office if I could but I can't without starting over so could you I mean, I could copy just, your save file oh, I don't know maybe I'm not gonna do that though okay you know me I'm lazy as shit guys what's our next assignment somebody tell me I don't want to say the words myself because it's too much work we are going to play Shenzhen hey. IO okay that is our assignment Riff's well, already I've... played it that was the yay of somebody who doesn't <laughs> have to do any work no I've I, actually I've uh I have not played as much of it as I would like, so I like having the uh, impetus. And I think before Jim leaves the office tonight, we will print out a manual for him. Sweet. So, Guys, this episode of Video Games Hot Dog, episode number 261, was brought to us by our Jenner and Patreon backers, such as Pissy Griswold, <laughs> Sonny Jones, <laughs> Shenzhen I.O., uh, M- Mick Danielston Fourth Worthington. Shire. Max Max Force Taco Trello. Splounged. <laughs> Pool table. Minimum headroom. Chicken strips. Plaid shirt. Chicken strips is a really high level t- backer. It's <laughs> thank you, chicken strips. Thank you for yep. teaching us to laugh about love again. Gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time recording this episode of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again real soon. And listeners, I hope you join us. And if you don't, goodbye. And if you do, video games. Have a great week, everybody. Good night.
like in 2003 or something, I took it on myself to, I had this project where I, um, there was a, there's an opening like monologue from the uh, Japanese shmup called Rock On. And the monologue is just this like backstory for why, um, why you're like going around shooting things. And it's written like, uh, like a Oscar acceptance speech or something like this. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's just, it sounds like a, it was written as a, a speech. Um, and I did this project where I recreated that speech by like search, searching lyric sites for various songs and snipping individual words out of it. Um, and looking back on it, I have no justification for why I would do that for that speech, except I thought it was fun. Um, and, I remember wanting to refer to this speech as if it were a pop culture artifact in a tweet recently. And I did a search for like, where can I find the text of the speech? And the only place you find the actual text of the speech is on my website <laughs> because only I ever cared about this thing, apparently. So I don't think that qualifies as pop culture. No, nope. But like in my mind, it's like a, all your base level thing. Right. Hmm. 